0: In verse number 1, we're going to read down to verse number 8. And, and in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them, and said it is not reason that we should leave the word of god and serve tables wherefore brethren look ye out among you seven men of honest report full of the holy ghost and wisdom whom ye may appoint over this business but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word and the saying pleased the whole multitude and they chose stephen a man full of faith and of the holy ghost and philip and precarious and nick and timon and parmenius and nicholas a proselyte of antioch whom they set before the apostles when they had prayed and they had laid their hands on them and the word of god increased and the number of the disciples multiplied in jerusalem greatly and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith and stephen full of faith and power did great wonders and miracles among the people, and I know we've kind of been, I guess, kind of character studying. I know Brother Justin's gotten finished with uh, Gideon. I know Brother Philip has uh, been teaching a little bit on Moses, and tonight we're going to look at the the man Stephen. And uh, so, if you can title this message, we're going to look at it. And the power of the Holy Ghost, the power of the Holy Ghost. I want us all to bow our heads and pray and ask the Lord to minister to our hearts here tonight. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you, Jesus, Lord. We're thankful for another opportunity to come in your house and to feel your presence, Lord. And we know, Lord, that we're a Book of Acts church, Lord. We're not a man-made church, God. We're not we're not trying to form programs, God, Lord, but we want to be in your will, and we, we want to be led by you, God. We want to be led by your spirit, Lord. I pray, God, Lord, that you would anoint and touch this service here tonight, that you would touch each and every ear, Lord, that has an ear to hear, God, Lord, because we want to be obedient servants to your kingdom and your service. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. And so um, this is a apostolic church, and we believe in the Holy Spirit, and um, we don't believe in, I know a lot of churches, you look around, um, it seems like, you know, you've got your growth experts, you got your ones that are they're trying to to grow pro- churches, grow with programs. Uh, and, you know, my comment to that, not to try to be negative at all, is that we want to do it the way that God wants us to do it. And when we, look, when we read this section in the book of Acts, it's, you know, the book of Acts, and it read in the Scripture, it says it is not desirable that we should leave the Word of God. And that, that is still true today, that we, we are, we're based and founded on the Word of God. And we look here tonight, and we look in the early church, and you flip back over to Acts 1 and 8, probably a familiar passage of Scripture. It talks about receiving power, and it all began with the receiving of the power of the Holy Spirit. And it all centered on the work of the Holy Spirit, and that's what we want. We want to be a church. A church of Christ, a church of God. We want to be a church uh, filled with God's spirit and uh, be in word and and driven by the word. And so it says it in Acts one and eight. Tells us that you know they will receive power. And it would come upon you, and you would be witnesses into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the other most parts of the earth. And so we see that on the day of Pentecost, the church was born, and that power of the spirit, they began to fulfill their commission. And we, we all pretty much know that if we've been going to church any length of time, and we know in, in the book of Matthew where it talks about going to the world and, and to make disciples, teaching them the things I've taught to you. And I will say, in our world today, there's very little disciples that are being made. There's a lot of followers. There's a lot of emotion. There's a lot of entertainment. But when it comes to disciples, and I look at disciples in the early church and all, there's very little disciples that are being made in our in our day and age today. And we, we've got to go against the grain, as Brother Harrelson's always making I mentioned that we, we've got to be a part of that remnant. we've got to be committed to not only to the work and the, uh, the ministry of the word but we've got to be committed to one another. Amen. And they began to do this because they were affected because they worked in one mind and one accord and unity. And I know sometimes that's a hard thing because we live in a day and age that everybody has a uh, everybody has a voice and everybody has an opinion. Uh, and it seems like today and age, it's so easy to do the job than it is to work together as individuals. And I'm just kind of, I'm not trying to rub the cat the wrong way. I'm just speaking just generally. And uh, but yet, we are to be like that Book of, the Act, Book of Acts church, committed to loving one another, committed to to giving ourselves in one mind and one accord. And we see that that courage started being uh, fulfilled out throughout scriptures. We see that it was done through persecutions, through will. Being whipped, being beaten, and they continue to preach the word. They had total involvement. There was no, um, there was no, um, you know, spectators and all. They all wanted to be involved, and that's God's purpose and plan for us as individuals in this church and all. And there's no one man or two man or three, you know, people shows, but there is a total involvement. When God's people are committed, and they're um, born along with the Holy Spirit and all that. God has a way of taking God's spirit inside of us and and leading us and guiding us to directing us on our paths. And it's been said that there's three types of people in the church. And um, one is there's people that make it happen and others that uh, watch it happen and then others that don't know really what's happening. So I don't know really what category you fit into. You don't got to tell me. Uh, Hopefully all of us are fit in that category uh, that make it happen. But in the early church, they were all involved they all played a part and they they played a part and they had boldness and they prayed and they the place was shaken and they they didn't get they didn't stop preaching when they were threatened they they spoke with boldness they were filled with the holy spirit and they kept their message pure they didn't let secular thinking water down their message and these people they they thought in bible and uh we, we you know we 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 you know brother Harrison's always hammering down about you know we want to be word driven. We want to be word driven. That's that's the truth that we don't want to let things on the outside affect what's on the inside and all. We know that we live in a generation that is is a very tolerant generation that is constantly, you know, tolerating this and tolerating that. And next thing you know, they're letting fences down on this side and letting fences down on that side. And then they wonder where the Holy Ghost is. They wonder where God's spirit's at. And and what's taking place is that they're they've totally um totally Cut out the yielding of their hearts to the Lord, and let any and everything be their idols. And you see that playing out all throughout Scripture in the early church in the Book of Acts. We're watching Jesus; He builds His church, and uh, we see you know what was take place. We you know God used Peter to launch the ministry in Jerusalem to the Jews, and that was His plan. And and uh, used Stephen's death to bring an outbreak of of um, uh, spread of the gospel. Now, if I was to tell you here tonight that you know that. Uh, that we're gonna use. I'm gonna use Samuel here. We're gonna take Samuel. We're gonna we're gonna take him outside. We're gonna use his death to you uh, to spread the gospel. You would think that's crazy and all. And I'm sure Samuel would be like, "Not not me." <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, Samuel. I'm just picking on you because you was the first one I looked to. Uh, but yet, that's what happened. That God. God took Stephen. He filled Stephen with the Holy Ghost. He blessed him. He he used him with power, signs, wonders, and miracles. And God drew attention to Stephen. And he preached the word. And he ended up being martyred by these Christless, godless religious leaders. You notice that last two words I said: religious leaders. And that was God's plan. And Stephen's life becomes proof that it's not about the the length of the ministry that counts. It's about the effectiveness. And Oftentimes we look at it and we look at numbers and, and we see how long a ministry and all. You look at Stephen, he only preached one sermon. You say, well, how effective could he be? But yet he, we would see all through Scripture and all the, the hands of Paul, the apostle and all, and what kind of impact he had. And if he didn't, if he didn't have a Stephen in his life, that, that might not have been the case and all. And so we see in Stephen's life in every way that he is a model representation of Christ. He was God's made man. And um, he was, a, you know, he's full of the Holy Spirit, and so he. We look at Stephen's life, and he died at a young age. He was martyred, and, and not, you know, you look all throughout our um, early ancestors and pioneers, and all. And there's a lot of people that didn't, didn't live a very um, a long age or, or um, um, old age. And we, one of the gentlemen that I had come across, and I was thinking about when I was. Getting this sermon here tonight, I was thinking about Jim Elliott. One of the first books that I read was uh, Under the Shadow of the Almighty. And uh, Jim said that it was no sacrifice to give up that which I cannot keep for that which I cannot lose. And Jim Elliott was warned that he got, went to minister to the Alkian Indians. And uh, he goes out there and he goes to minister to him when he winds up getting killed at a very young age. And, and his wife made a vow that she was going to go back... Uh, and lead the whole entire tribe to the Holy Ghost, and you think, you know, how can a woman go back to the very tribe that killed her husband and all? But that just goes to show you when you're led by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit would lead, guide, and direct you into places that you would not normally go. And and even... um, even, you know, in the early days, and even I don't know if she's still alive or not, but um, she she gave her testimony. It was very powerful and impactful in the effectiveness. And so it goes to show you that that ministry is not about the length, but it's about the effectiveness. And so we look at Stephen. He is a he's looked at as one of the he's listed as the first Christian martyr uh, for preaching the gospel. And Stephen's life is probably one of not. That everyone probably wants to take hold of, or wants to uh, wants to go through the things that he went through, and all. But Stephen lived a very powerful life. He was not an apostle. He was somebody that was took as a servant from the from the back to the front, and that just really goes to show you what the power of the Holy Ghost and what God can do when somebody is yielded to to um, to God's Spirit. And so we. We look at it is that men often, they tend to die as they have lived. You know, oftentimes you, sometimes you have the exception with a deathbed um, repentance, but oftentimes men tend to die as they have lived. And and a lot of times they don't think about things in the early ages and all, and they, they live life to the fullest, and they, they get, um, they start doing their own things, and they start letting things creep inside their heart, and it totally they realized that they they lived an empty life. You you can read that all throughout the book of Ecclesiastes was with Solomon and and how he you know he said it was all vanity and it, it, it was just uh, full of nothingness. And so we look at Stephen. He he lived like Christ. He died like Christ. And others have had lived in that same fashion. They have had that same kind of beauty that that uh, you look at John Wesley and uh, he was a great man who died. Uh, God. That, uh, died full of counsel and exhortations. And you look at uh, Robert Murray McShane. He died at a young age, 30. And, uh, you know, you look at those men and, and uh, John Wesley on his dying bed, he was he, one of the words that, that come to, it, to him before he died was that God is with us. And, you know, death kind of really shows the picture of who you really are uh, when it's at the end and all. It seems like somebody that is a spirit-filled person and all, when, when death comes uh, creeping at their door and all they're they're ready to go. They're at peace. They're at mine. I started thinking about Brother Paul Miller. I started thinking about others that that Sister Paramore, that there was no uh, there was no frantic franticness or panicness and all. There was just a sense of peace and comfort. and that's what the Holy Ghost does. it It gives you that comfort. It gives you that 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 assurance that that God's going to take care of it all. And so we look at Stephen, he was a man. In the church, who loved the Lord, he studied the Word, he grew, and was filled with the Holy Spirit. And God took him, t- took him just as a measly servant, as a deacon, as you call in those days, and all. But then did something great with a man of God through evangelism. He he didn't live a long life, but he lived a very powerful life. He lived a life full of courage and full of boldness. And we start to study this character here tonight. And Sister Rhonda was kind of getting all over it, and I'll kind of get into. Uh, when she was talking about those fruits of the Spirit, because we, we have to have the fruit, fruits of the Spirit bear in our life. I look at Stephen's life, and I, I think, how could he go through some of the things that he went through? It's because he was full of the Spirit. He was to full capacity. It wasn't because of his own, own power or his own will, but it was because of God working through him. And And so, we see that they killed him for preaching Christ. And, and uh, you know, Jesus said in the Bible that I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And you know, death will never stop, uh will never stop Christ. It's never never gonna stop God's progress and all. And we, we see that through scripture and when it talks about, oh death, where is thy sting, and and oh grave, where is thy victory and all. We know that that God's God's gospel, God's word, it's gonna march on, and we gotta be willing to be submitted to whatever God's purpose and plan is for our lives. And so Stephen is such an example of that, and because he knew. He was going to die at the end of his message. Yet he didn't recant. He didn't pull back. He didn't water it down. On the contrary, he saw them rejecting what he had said. And he, he come to him. If you flip over, you can see when he's addressing the Sanhedrin in, in um, uh, chapter seven, verse number. Uh, sorry, I lost my place. Verse number fifty-one. He said, "Ye stiff-necked." And arms circumcised in heart and ears, you always, you do always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did. So, ye, and at that point they didn't want to hear anymore, and they manifested their true colors to them. These were religious. This is the religious leaders. They were the Sanhedrin. They knew the word. They knew uh, the Old Testament. And all they knew um, the law, but yet they didn't. They didn't want. They just wanted to. Um, they just wanted it kind of to the side and all and just kind of to, to brush it off when they wanted to use it. They didn't want to let it transform their heart. And so when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed that in with their teeth. And it's amazing how religious leaders can be so proper in dress, and yet speak so well, but then they're gnashing their teeth. And that, that's hap- that happens even today, that you have people that, uh, that are prim and proper and you have, I'm not trying to... Um, you know, speak against the, uh, or not trying to throw anybody under the bus, but we have the prosperity gospel. We have the, uh, you know, the word of God that's misabused and is, is taken out of context. And that that ought not to be the case and all. We look at Stephen and we look at how he stood up against those religious leaders. And you look at it in verse number 55 or, or 55 and it says, but he being full of the Holy Ghost looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God. And Jesus standing on the right hand of God. And he said, look at the heavens open, the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And you can imagine those religious leaders. Now you've got you've got a man that is going up to um you know some of the finest leaders um they knew the law. You you had um I'm pretty sure you had uh Saul of Tarsus and all when you look at Tarsus that Tarsus was in um, Sicily, and and you can imagine that that you know um, Stephen and and the uh, the boldness him going up in that the middle of that religious leaders and all and, and expressing and saying you know what I've, I've studied your history I know the things and and you know sometimes we don't really our faith we don't really know what our faith is like until it's tested and. And Stephen's faith was tested, and they, they pointed f- fingers at him, they were running at him, they cast him out of the city. They stoned. The witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of this young man named Saul. And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And then he knelt down, rocks pelted him, and cried out with a loud voice, Do not lay their sin to their charge. What a, what a great man of, of grace and mercy. What a great man... Uh, full of the Spirit. I want to be like Stephen. I look at Stephen, I say, how in the world? Because we have injustices. We have things done wrong to us. We have, uh, it's so easy for let bitterness to creep in. It's so easy to let things um, just kind of bottle up inside and just kind of leave it for another day and all. But that ought not be the case. If Stephen can pray for his accusers, if Stephen can pray for his enemies, we can do the same as well for people that wrong and do injustice to us. Amen. There's a difference right between Stephen and his murderers. We see that they are filled with anger, and he is filled with the Spirit. And in the Word of God, it solves sh- it, it right in half. It, you know, he, he, he read, when you look at the whole, you can g- go back to um, chapter 7, and he gives a long uh, landmark sermon to them and all, and it's amazing to read and all, because he goes all the way back from Abraham to Moses to Joseph and, uh, you, know, he's, you know, when he first was mentioning to them, they were, you know, they were liking what they were hearing until they got to the point, to the end. And it's an amazing thing to read that the Bible, uh, at some point in time, it's confrontational. You're either going to choose to live by the Word of God or you're going you're gonna to deny it. And it's more than just a book that we read. We have to apply it to our lives. We have to let it become alive to us. Amen. We read in Psalm 35 and 16 that we're reminded of what the Old Testament says. It says, the ungodly, they maliciously mocked and gnashed their teeth at me. Psalm 37 and 12 also, it says, the wicked plots against the just and gnashes at him with his teeth. And so it's really apparently fulfilled. The gnashing at the teeth that was taking place with those religious leaders, that's being played out even through Scripture. Amen. Amen. And so this is beyond the third time that they've heard the full message of the gospel. And and if you recall, you can flip back to Acts 4, that that Peter, he stood up and was filled with the Holy Spirit. He addressed them and he gave the full message. And Peter and John had healed the lame man at the time. They had went in Acts 5 and they was arrested with the 12 apostles and the angel let them out of prison. They were found preaching in the temple. And the group of twelve apostles preached to them, and so they were doing signs, wonders, and miracles, and it was an extremely powerful um, thing that was going on. And they were ministering to the widows. And you, you look even in scripture in verse or in chapter six, you see that in the early verses and all that they were trying to be that diversion, trying to be that um, that um, disunity in the body and all. And what was taking place is you had you had those Grecians, and then you also had the um, the Hebrews and and uh, the Grecians were kind of lo- known as the looser type people, and the Hebrews was more orthodox. And so, what you had is taking places that that there was widow Hebrew widow, I mean, uh, Grecian widows that was needing to be taken care of, and the Hebrews wasn't taken care of. And imagine that division being in a church, and uh, but that's what what takes place. The devil will have nothing more to take little nuggets and try to drive home um, disunity in our church, even in our church here. Tonight and all, but we we have to be unified as a body. We have to be willing to submit to, to God's purpose and plan. And just like they had organization, they had the apostles, they had men and brethren, uh, men that preached, and they had men that served tables like Stephen and Philip and others and all. There has to be men in our generation to do the same thing. There has to be total involvement. There has to be a willingness to give ourselves for the cause and the ministry of the word. Amen, amen. So. They come to a place, Paul the Apostle, later in Acts 28 and 25. He was to warn such people later on after he was converted. And so when they did not agree among themselves, they departed after Paul. And he said, the word, the word, the Holy Spirit spoke rightly through Isaiah the prophet to our fathers, saying, go to this people, seeing, hearing, you will hear, and you will not understand. Seeing, you will see and not perceive. And that's exactly where these men were. Uh, they were just religious men. They were—they had fine white coats, and they looked apart, the but yet they denied the power within. We cannot deny the power within us here tonight. Not tonight, not tomorrow, not any day. There is so much potential in our church, and I believe that the Lord has been moving upon individuals, and we've seen it taking place, but I want more than just, just an emotional buzz. I want the, the Word of God to penetrate my heart. I want there to be... Total yieldness to God's spirit and plan. Amen. We see that taking place in Stephen. What's a scary place to be is that when you hear the gospel and you no longer react to it. And that's what these type, these religious type leaders was doing. They didn't feel convicted of their sins. They didn't feel that they should turn to the Lord. They wanted to shove it away. And you say, well, Brother Chad, maybe that ain't happening here and all. That that happens. Maybe not, maybe not, um, and I won't single, um, no one out and all, but that, that does happen in our generation. So many times the Spirit of the Lord is moving, it's working, and you see in God's Spirit turn and move all throughout these altars and all, and there's people that sit there and they, they just watch the show, and they don't want to get involved. They want to they love God at a distance, but that's not, that, that is not so. That is not meant. The Book of Acts Church tells us that there has to be total involvement. There has to be a willingness to be yielded to the Spirit. Amen. And so they're cut to the heart. They're gnashing with their teeth. You see that Matthew chapter 13, verse 41, it says, Jesus said in the day, The Son of Man will send forth his angels, and they shall gather out his kingdom of all things that they are offended, and them which do iniquity. And they shall cast him into the furnace of fire. And there shall be wailing, and there shall be gnashing of teeth. And so these men, they they were a picture of hell, and Stephen was a picture of heaven. And so you got to say, am I going to fall in the category of, of being like those men, Nash, and am I going to be a critical person? Am I going to be a naysayer? Am I going to be constantly trying to divide and create disunity, or am I going to be one willing to to get involved and and to to give yield to the Spirit? And we see that all the all the while is. Stephen's face is glowing as the angel. They're gnashing on him with the teeth. I want you to kind of picture in your mind somebody gnashing on you with the teeth. I mean, it would probably, it's hard not to be driven by anger, not to let things get to you, because we live in a day and age where just the littlest things get to us. But you got somebody that is gnashing their teeth, somebody that is pointing their fingers, somebody that is raging and full of anger. And then you have Stephen, who is full of God's love. And I believe that we, I mean, when you look at those individuals gnashing at him, I believe that, you know, hell is a place where it says that there is going to be wailing and gnashing of teeth because there is, there is this intense sin that's caused you to go there that you're never going to be relieved, and there's that anger at the Lord. And I believe that if, you, if they don't respond to God's love, they're not going to respond to God's judgment. And so you either have to come to the love of Christ, you either have to yield yourself to Christ, or not come to him at all. And so they're filled with this rage. On the contrary, Stephen is filled with the Holy Ghost. We look back in Acts chapter 7, verse 55. It says, but he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looks steadfastly unto heaven. And so that's really an amazing picture there. There's there's a storm of fury howling around him. You can see all these faces, but yet, at the same time, we're told that his face is the glowing as an angel. He's totally calm. He's totally yielded to the Holy Spirit's control, and there's nothing else, uh, you know. There's nothing else that can hinder or, or work against him. Stephen is so full of the Holy Spirit, and that really tells you well, how much power the Holy Spirit has. You take individuals railing, gnashing, throwing rocks, and yet it doesn't affect him because his mind is on the Lord. His eyes are on the Lord. He's not looking at what's being done to him. And that goes to show us that the Holy Spirit can work in our lives. It can enable us to stand separate from the circumstances, to be able to stand in God's love and in his peace, no matter what the circumstance may be. Amen. Amen. so it indicates in the present tense that this man is always living filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's that's an awesome thing to be said, not just having the Holy Spirit a little bit, but to full capacity. That's letting those fruits of the Spirit bear out in our heart and life. That joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, kindness, meekness, all those things being produced out of our life. And that's a powerful insight for us. And we see here that St- Stephen, he's hes calm, he's peaceful, he's about to die. How many of us could say that we would be calm and peaceful if we were about to die? I would dare say even myself, I probably would not fit in that category. But yet, we see Stephen... There's something deep down inside of him that's that's moving, that's working, and that's causing him, it's um, causing him, just great fulfillment. Luke twelve and eleven. Uh, when we flip over to, I don't think I marked that. Luke twelve and eleven. It says, and when they bring you into the synagogues and to the magistrates and powers, take ye no thought how or what thing ye shall answer, what ye shall say. For the Holy Ghost shall teach you in the same hour what you should say. And that's a powerful statement and all because, because if you're filled with the Holy Ghost, it's going to equip you. You're, you don't you don't have to worry about uh, what comes your way. You don't have to worry about the situation, where you're at and all. The Holy Ghost with will equip you. Jesus had promised in that time of need that the Holy Ghost would be there in that very hour to teach us. And that, you know, that's the state, make the statement I've heard made before uh, that the Christian life is never to be lived without the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. I just want to repeat that one more time, that the Christian life is never to be lived without the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. We should never look at any situation and say, I I can't face this situation. I can't go through this trial. It's too much for me and all. Because God's Spirit is there to help us and lead us and guide us through all uh, all trials and situations. Amen. Paul said that I have found when I am weak, I am strong. But His grace is sufficient for me, for I have discovered in my weakness that He has made strong. And we look at Stephen and we see his preaching and we see their faces afterward. And he probably realizes when he goes to that council and he. He, he says to him, you stiff-necked uh, people, that you always resist the Holy Ghost. He knew in their, his mind, he, I, I'm a dead man. I, I'm done. I'm preaching this council. There's no way that I'm going to be able to get out of this. But God gives him the grace he needs to go through it. I cannot say when I look at Stephen's life and I look at those rocks and the things he had to endure, I have to ask myself even the question, could I be able to endure those? No, I could not be able to endure those on my own but through Jesus Christ helping me, I believe that each and every one of us could be able to endure whatever would come our way. First Peter 4 and 14 tells us, If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the Spirit of glory and of God rested upon you. And on their part, he is evil spoken of, but on your part, he is glorified. And that's exactly what happened with Stephen, that he, he seen the Lord glorified, the Spirit of God rested upon him. And oh, I can only imagine what Stephen had felt, what he had seen and all, and and, and uh, he saw in the heavens open up the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God, and yet you have these angry people that all they're seeing is the roof, that they're not seeing nothing, and you have Stephen that is experiencing the presence of the Lord. That's why it is so vital and so important for us to be connected with the Holy Spirit. It's so vital and important for us to get plugged in and all, because it. We don't, want to, we don't want to let our hearts get hard and hardened. Just like Pharaoh, Brother Philip, and may mention about that he hardened his heart. He hardened his heart. That he hardened his heart. We don't want to get to the place where the word of God doesn't penetrate us. Amen. And so we look at in Matthew 26 and 64. It says, And Jesus was there in front of the high priest, which was Caiaphas, And the council, Jesus said unto them, Thou hast said, Nevertheless, I say unto you hereafter, shall ye see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming into the clouds of heaven? Are you the Son of God? He says, You have said it, and he added to it. Verse number 65, it says, Then the high priest tore his clothes, saying that he had spoken blasphemy. What further need we have witnesses that they took Jesus and they sent him to the death. And the high priest tore his clothes and he said at that point that they started gnashing with the teeth and all, and you know he, they were looking at it from the carnal eyes, but Jesus had far more plans and all. He he had a he had a plan and purpose for us, and that goes to show each and every one of us that we we must be spirit-filled Christians. We must not let the Holy Ghost go diminished in our lives. We have got to have the Spirit of God vibrant and alive in our lives. We got to have the Spirit of God vibrant and alive in this church each and every time we come into this church. We see when Stephen is filled with heavenly sight that that they are completely spiritually blind. You're talking about religious leaders. You're not talking about people that are just on the fringes, on the outcasts, or just your average uh, uh, workers and all. You're talking about people that study the law, but yet they didn't let the law penetrate their hearts. And that's the question for us here today. How many times have we heard the Word of God? How many times have we read the Word of God? And how many times is the Word of God not been allowed to penetrate our hearts. And, you know, I, I even asked myself those same questions and all because I don't wanna I don't wanna be what Jesus said. He said these people, you know, they they're like the blind leading the blind that they, they, they fall into the ditches and all. we, we wanna be Christ like we want to be Christ led. And and these people they were in a mad frenzy. You had this high prestigious court and yet they're running after Steve, Stephen in a mad mob. They're looking like I mean looking like some crazy people Stopping their ears, pointing their fingers. Yeah, this is the religious leaders of the day in that day and age. But yet, they're looking totally, um, totally against what, what God had planned for their lives. They wanted power, popularity, and money. That's all they wanted. They didn't want God working, doing a great work in their hearts and their lives. And so, that's really a contrast between them and Stephen. And he was drugged out to the city. And when you look at commentators and you look at where he was drugged to, most likely the place he was drugged to was Calvary, the same place, Galgotha, that Jesus died. It was a place of execution. He died right there, and same as Christ did, and keeping the junction because he was known as a blasphemer. And that's what Jesus was known as. He was known as a blasphemer, he was known as someone. Uh, you know, that was false. And so they go and they take these witnesses out there to stone him. They take these false witnesses, and I can't even imagine these, these false witnesses go out there and stone him just for some money, seeing an innocent man being murdered. But that's how cold hearted these individuals were. They laid down their coats at, the, uh, at, at Saul's feet before killing him. So obviously, they weren't angry enough to, to take their coats off not to get messy and lay them down, but they laid them down, and they only sought to see him dead, but Stephen was so Christ-like, he was so wanting to see them saved, and that that really penetrates even my heart here tonight, that you can have a man that is so full of forgiveness and so full of mercy, and, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ, He is so symbolic, he's so demonstrative of how the Lord Jesus Christ died for our sins, and we see that play, being played out through Stephen's life, and and the Lord didn't charge them. He even prayed for them while he's on the cross. He said, "You know, forgive them for their sins. They know not what they do." What does Stephen do? He's praying for his accusers. He's 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 dropping to his knees. He he wanted to die. This man loved the Lord so much that he fell on his knees. And I can I can honestly say, you think about somebody being stoned and all. The first thing you want to do is to be on your knees. You want to be running. You want to try to get away, but. That wasn't the case and all. He had such a calm and assurance and a peace and all. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. It gives you peace. It gives you comfort. It gives you guidance. And so we see that being taken place. The Lord Jesus says in verse number 59, Stephen says, Receive my spirit. And he went to be with Jesus. So Stephen was ready to die. And uh, you look at something interesting that you see is that we find the appearance of Jesus deceiving. That kind of puts him up there with Isaiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, and Moses, men in the Bible who saw a glimpse of the Lord. It puts him in front of Paul and John who saw the Lord and his descended glory. And so you think about Stephen, what he had to go through, but you think, yeah, he had to go through that, but he saw so much. He felt so much glory, so much power and all. So you have to ask yourself even the question here tonight, is my life a sacrificial life is my life willing to yield to the spirit is my wife willing to diligently seek him. We know that scripture tells us that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him and, and so he has the appearance of Jesus in the heavens and the stones. They 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 oftentimes that Jesus um, you know we look we look, and you know, I'll kind of flip back over in the Old Testament. You you probably remember uh, Nebuchadnezzar when he put this huge statue up, and he got all the people out in the nation, and they uh, they wanted to look at it, and everyone wanted to bow down. He wanted everyone to bow down to it and worship this idol, and there was hundreds of thousands of people. We know the story that there was these three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and and the king heated up the fire, and you remember that they they threw him in, and this they, this fire was so hot that even the guys that threw him in that they they got burnt. And and so that there was them, they were tied up, they were thrown in the fire, and they were uh for a little bit, and then they saw, uh, after they threw them in the fire, they saw not only three people, they saw four people. And and uh, uh, us that's going been going to church any length of time, we're familiar with this story and all. We we know that it was it was God, it was the Son of Man, and and they went in there tied up, bound, but they come out there loose, and and uh, they didn't have a stench on them, they didn't have a burnt smell, they didn't have a charred smell, uh, and so we look and and the fire didn't touch them, but we look at Stephen's life on the flip side of that, and he didn't hinder the stones, and and uh, Jesus let the the stones be cast and let Stephen die. And oftentimes, sometimes that's the way it happens is that, you know, he's seen the appearance of Jesus. He loved Christ, and and yet Jesus didn't allow those stones to be stopped. And Stephen was stoned to death, but yet through that, he knew that the spread of the gospel was going to take place. And that's what what has to be relevant in our lives is the purpose and plan of God more important than my own life and my own Uh, my own willingness to die. And that's the question each and every one of us has to ask. If the Lord didn't preserve Stephen's flesh from the stones, that we ought not to expect the same thing and all, that God doesn't stop it. We need to go back and look at Stephen's life, and he's full of faith and on his knees confessing to Jesus to the end, and he sees him alive and crucified. He's being stoned to death, and he sees Jesus, and he'll be alive with him probably in a couple of minutes. And so that even has to penetrate our hearts even here tonight. We think about how short our life is, and our life is like a vapor. We're here today, we're gone tomorrow, and yet this man preaches with the best of them. He, he goes up to the Sanhedrin. He has a willingness to give himself, and yet he dies full of love, forgiveness for all of us. Scripture tells us, you look in Acts 8 and 9, chapter 8 and 9, you see Paul was on his way to Damascus, and he was to be persecuted and to arrest them and imprison them. And you remember what Jesus said when he appeared to them. And, and Saul, why are you persecuting me? Why are you? He didn't say, why are you persecuting them? He said, why are you persecuting me? Is It's hard for you to kick against the pricks. And I would dare say that Stephen was in Paul's mind. You think about every day that he probably thought about after that Damascus Road, that Stephen prayed for Paul. He prayed for those people that was there, and I'm sure that that Saul of Tarsus he remembered that. Probably wasn't a day that went by that that Stephen he he lived with Christ. He died with Christ, and Paul said, "Man, that that's something real about that guy. That's something authentic. He he he, he had enough boldness and he had enough courage to preach against the finest of leaders and." And yet, not only did he have courage, but he had those godly characteristics and godly traits. He was a willingness to go before them. And then yet, at his, at his death and, and a very time of need and all, when he was about to die, he prayed for grace and mercy. And that goes to show us the power of the Holy Ghost, that the Holy Ghost can produce those fruits. It can produce power within us if we allow it. And so that was monumental in the conversion of Saul, which became Paul. And uh, we see that it was very impactful. We know what Paul did and what he accomplished. But I would dare say that Stephen, it took a man like Stephen for him to, to remember, to, to get in touch and say, you know what, there was something real about that man. I wonder if people can say that for us as individuals here tonight, that there's something real about them. There's something authentic. There's not just a, it's not just a preaching the word. It's not just reading off. Of Scripture and all, there's something that's that's different about them, and and it's so hard is that to do in our world in our day and age because we have people that do us wrong, we have people that take things from us, we have people that ridicule us, we have people that mock us, we have people that say bad things about it. It's so easy to to take an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, and then to lash back at them. But I look at the man of Stephen, and I look at somebody that that, that yielded itself to the Spirit. I have to I have to ask myself, Lord. Am I willing to let go of those things because it's it's just pity, because our life is so such a short uh, trial of time and all, and so that's what the power of the Spirit does. It gives you, it gives you an out. It gives you a way to overcome whatever may come your way. It's that crisis grace, and so even here tonight we look at the life of Stephen. We see what's took place. We see a great man. We see things that. Uh, that the Lord done greatly through him. No, he wasn't this apostle. No, he was just somebody that was came to serve tables and all. But God took him from the back to the front and used him mightily. And When you think all throughout the book of Acts, you think about Peter, you think about Barnabas, you think about Paul, and you think about Stephen. And that goes to show you great uh, what great faith and what God can do with something just as something as small as a servant and all. He doesn't need something flamboyant. He doesn't need something uh, that's eloquent or whatever. He just needs a willing vessel. And I thank God for Stephen here tonight that showed us that, you know what, it's because of God's love and grace and mercy. And I want to be full to the capacity of the spirit that Stephen was. And maybe we don't want to go through the situations and the circumstances of Stephen, but we're living in a day and age that, that there's going to be persecution, there's going to be ridicule, there's going to be people that's going to mock us and all that. That You see that being taken out, taking place in our world and our day and age today, but it's up to us how we're going to respond to it. And Brother Philip preached on this morning about a prayer for protection. And now we hear tonight about the power of the Holy Ghost. And I'm going to tell you that the power can equip you for whatever comes your way. I want us to stand here tonight. In closing, I want to say a prayer, and what I want us to do, I know it's a little bit out of the ordinary, but I want us to take these bottles of oil, and I want us to be real and transparent here tonight. I know I'm not trying to dismiss or demeanor anything because we need to come to the altar any chance that we can possibly get. But I wonder if there are be things that are Hidden and tucked away in our own hearts, Sister Rhonda hit on it about spring cleaning. But I, I don't want to wait till tomorrow. I want to, I want to do it tonight because I believe that sometimes we let bitterness, we let strife, we let things of disunity come into our hearts and our minds, and it, it totally dislodges what the Spirit of God wants to do in us. And I pray against that spirit here tonight. And so, what I want us to do, I want us to pray, and I'm going to ask the minister, lay ministers to come up here, and if you feel like there's something, well, I'm not going to pry. I'm not going to ask, you know, what you're praying about and all, but if you feel like there's something that you've been
1: battling with for maybe for a little length of time that you need the Lord to just intervene, I'm going to tell you there is a work of the Spirit. There is a power of the Spirit of the Lord. I have felt His Spirit here this morning, and I feel His Spirit here tonight, and I pray, God, Lord, that you would do what you promised to do, God, Lord. You give us your comforter, Lord. You give us your provider, Lord. God, your helper, God, I pray, God, Lord. Oh, in Jesus' name, let us pray, Lord. We love you, Jesus. Lord, I believe in the power of your spirit, Lord. I see, Lord, it all over the hands, Lord, of Stephen. And God, Lord, I know this man lived a short life, God, Lord, but he lived such an effective life. I pray, God, Lord, that we don't look at length or we don't look at numbers, Lord, that we want to just make an influence. We want to make an impact, God, Lord, for you. Help us to deny ourselves, Lord. Help us to yield to the Spirit. I don't want to be like these religious leaders, Lord, that, God, Lord, that is, they look apart, God, Lord, but they deny the Spirit within. I pray, Lord, that you do your work. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, I'm going to open these altars up. I'm going to ask these ministers to come up. We're going to anoint you with oil. There's going to be a work of the Spirit. In Jesus' name. There's nothing worth more that could ever come close. Nothing can compare. You're our living hope.